Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Courtney fires up. Ask a proper question. Holsworth seems to be the silly season linchpin and drivers look to the Enduros. Tell you what, you wouldn't get a better setting, you know, two of the greatest mountains with Perisher. And then, of course, the big one at Bathurst. Cracker day. We just uh, watched the sun come up this morning. It was absolutely unbelievable. Breathtaking stuff. So really enjoying it. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine. Dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. This week, some of the V8 Supercars drivers headed to the New South Wales Snowfields to launch the 2011 Bathurst 1000 campaign. Lounge thrilled to get up early in the cold. It's been a wonderful morning. To actually get up and watch the sunrise come up over Perisher was really uh, quite spectacular. <laughs> Russell Ingle also very happy to be part of the launch at Mount Perisher. Tell you what, you wouldn't get a better setting, you know, two of the greatest mountains with Perisher and then, of course, the big one at Bathurst. So I'm looking forward to both. Wincup, Coulthard and the birthday boy, Will Davison, were also enjoying some fun on the mountain. The guys at Perisher looked after us so, so well and we've just picked a cracker day. Last week, Rumours over Lee Holsworth started with him moving to FPR and by the end of the week the people in the know were saying that he was off to the Irwin Tools Falcon. Holsworth is considered by many on pit lane as a key to the 2012 silly season with most believing that the young star will leave Fujitsu Racing in the hope of challenging for a championship. With 50 days till the Gold Coast, drivers Shane Van Gisberg and Alex Davison met up with Gold Coast Titan Scott Prince. You know, I broke my arm, so I'll miss the rest of the, uh, the rest of the season, especially this weekend. It's going to be uh, sad to, uh, to miss this week, but in October I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to, uh, to drive a car around, so hopefully I'll get the opportunity to do so. And as a V8 supercar driver, we're looking forward to taking over the reins there and uh, you know, get everyone excited about Armoral Gold Coast 600 in October. You know, it's a, it's a great event and well run, but um, definitely the atmosphere when you go on the parade lap and the convertible and stuff, there's no other place like it. It's just awesome. Stephen Johnson has told the V8 Insiders that he's not thrilled with the Gold Coast 600 being a round of the championship when you have international drivers having a big effect on how your championship might progress. You know, it's okay if you're not going and good in the championship. It doesn't really matter if something happens or doesn't happen. But, you know, you're really throwing in a curveball for, for the championship. And, and what it does then is that, you know, the bigger teams um, spend a lot more money in trying to get the best person out um, for the job so that they can, uh, you know, have the fastest co-driver. So, you know, and we're all about containing costs. And that's, you know, to me, that's not a cost containment. The South Australian Government has announced the date for the Clipsal 500 next year, the Adelaide event, to be run from March 1st to March 4th. With the possibility of it being the first race of the season, it also could see a return to Friday qualifying. 
in an effort to generate more publicity and interest in the start of the season. It was also announced that this year's Clipsal 500 created a benefit to the South Australian economy of between 55 and $60 million. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, David Russell will look at the Fujitsu series. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. This week, we go rustling once again in the Fujitsu series with David Russell. And David, an interesting weekend for you and the Jayco team. You just couldn't match the triple eight might of Andrew Thompson there in the end. Yeah, look, it hasn't been... Uh, it's been a good recovery for us at Team Jayco, like... We uh, rolled the cars out of the truck and, you know, I was reasonably confident. I've done a fair few miles here, so I know the circuit. And uh, we had a fair bit of work to do on the car. We, we sort of um, we made a lot of changes in both practice sessions. Um, qualifying didn't go to plan for us. We were P8 in qualifying. Then I got penalised for a um, bit of a controversial decision with... Um, with uh, apparently holding up a fellow competitor, which put me back to 12th. Um, got a good start, got, got our, our way back up. In, uh, we've just moved forward in the races. Um, the, the key thing for us, even with that last race, was um, making sure that um, you know, we collected the points, kept going. Because, look, you know, anything can happen. We've still got three rounds to go. Um, it's, it's a sort of uh, championship where you need to be fin- finishing races, not having any dramas, and that's what we're going to continue to do. And um, Look, it's, it's hard to beat. The uh, the triple eight main series car. It's um look you know we go to Bathurst for the next round and all I've got to think about is oh that car was capable of doing the lap record. That's you know that's but look hey I, I was um on pole there with uh, quite a quite a good time there last year and I'm pretty confident I can um I can match it with him up there. So it should be um should be very interesting. Now you did it last year at Bathurst, but I guess this year. It doubled duty. Can you explain now, having that experience from last year, how much harder it is to split your focus across the two championships? Well, I think um, last year I'd uh, I'd had a few miles in uh, in Jonathan Webb's car, and I knew what to expect out of it. There, it was a little bit different to what I expected. I must say. Um, FPR chassis versus a Triple Eight chassis, very different. And now the FPR chassis and a Kelly Racing chassis is very different again. So you have to really sort of just tweak the mind and make sure, as soon as you get in the car, different environment that you know where all the switches are, you know, and you know what feel the car's got and what you can what you can do in it. Brake pedal pressure's different. Steering, the steering, um, how heavy it is. You know, it's very light in a in a KR car. So um, you know, it's it's going to be um, going to be great to jump in a the, the Jack Daniels racer and but it's you know it's something I really need to be on my game now of course uh, unfortunately you weren't at the press conference this afternoon finishing fourth but uh, I don't know if anyone's related it to you yet but your name came up when Paul Morris was talking about looking for a driver 
Oh, really? Um, <laughs> oh, I, d- I don't know. I've maybe liked my restart. <laughs> but, um, look, the thing is, um, you know, I've made no secret I'm trying to get into the main series, and that is very nice of Paul. Maybe you got a bit in the spirit in the moment, but um, we'll see what happens, really. As you go now, obviously with a lot of confidence because you passed a lot of cars, and the conditions are just what you expect at Bathurst over a weekend. Bit of rain, bit of sunshine, bit of cold, bit of hot. Yeah, look, um, it was it was pretty cool to, to um, run around in slippery conditions here this weekend. Um, that wet race this morning was keeping everyone on their toes. And for me, it was just a matter of we knew um, the FBR cars are quite stiff and we, uh, we hadn't made any major changes. So for me, I knew it wasn't going to be ideal, but we couldn't change too much um, in the short time frame that we had. But it was a matter of just picking them off, um, making sure that we... Um, we kept it on the black stuff, didn't go sliding off because that's when it's critical. We had that many safety cars. When all the field's bunched and you go off, you pay the big price for it. So you're better off just pulling it back a little bit, making sure that you finish the race. And, um, yeah, we're fortunate enough to make up a few spots and end up in, in third spot. So, yeah, um, overall, reasonably happy. I'd like to be um, like to have been um, a bit more competitive earlier on in the, in the weekend. Uh, but I think we put it in where it counts. And, yeah, I'm just... Um, more so hoping for for that extra pace to be able to take it to triple eight and really um yeah match them in a car that shouldn't be matching that car if you know what i mean yeah we do indeed and uh, dave we look forward to seeing you at phillip island when you're in the main game working with kelly racing yeah can't wait watch out for uh, todd kelly david russell in the jack daniels racer well we look forward to seeing you in those kelly racing cars thanks once again for your time controversy corner is next when we return with more on the v8 insiders Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, the editor-at-large of Auto Action Man- Magazine, it's Mark Fogarty. Good evening, folks. Hi there, Craig. Nice to chat once more. And, of course, from... Well, Speed Week on SBS and just about everything else that's going around, it's Richard Crowell. Good evening, Crowley. Uh, g'day, Craig. Uh, lovely to be here. G'day to you folks as well. Hey, Richard, yeah. The econo- what, we gonna, what exciting things are we going to chat about today? Well, the economic benefit of Clipsal. I said this uh, perhaps disparagingly to my partner who comes from Adelaide and and said, well, of course it's going to have an economic benefit when $80 rooms for the night become 500 Is the price gouging the only thing that's getting them up and over the line, folks? Well, that happens in every town where the V8s or any motor race or any, almost any big sporting event occurs. I think Adelaide handles it better than most. Some of the rooms, yes, are very, very expensive. Um... It's been a long while since I've actually had to book a room. I usually stay with a mate of mine over there. But um, it's a harsh and unfortunate reality of uh, of big events. I'm afraid, particularly with somewhere like Adelaide, where um, it's a big city but not quite big enough to cope with the influx. It's um, 
not quite like um well it'd be interesting you know to see you know what happens to hotel prices in melbourne um, when say the melbourne around the melbourne cup and around the grand final hmm. certainly we do see them lift uh, richard but uh, you being the south australian representative on the panel you might have a different take to mine oh no i, I think the well, probably fair comments, and I, I, I agree with folks' comment about the city being big enough, but not quite big enough to maybe cope with it. I, I think that's fair. Uh, you mentioned the economic benefit, and you know the governments that that fund these events generally will speak these figures quite regularly because it's a way of of justifying the money they put in. But from my experience, and I, I do say this as a South Australian, so obviously there's probably going to be a level of bias involved, but out of all the events you go to, the one where you can probably tell it having the biggest effect on the city would be Clipsal, and just from going out on a Saturday night when the restaurants are full and there's plenty of people wandering around in race gear and even the crowd figures and whether you buy the three-day crowd of 280,000 or you you work it out and there's probably actually really, what, 100,000 over the four days, uh, counting individual heads rather than counting someone's head four times, um, you know, the, the input is still there and all of a sudden you can see where though the government can pull those figures from. So when you look at it, I mean, there's what 1.2 million people over here now, and if there's 100,000 unique people going through the gates over the four days at Clipsal, and there's probably more than that, I mean, that's still close to 10% of the population of the entire state, and that's before you count international and, and interstate visitors. So there's no doubt it's got a massive effect on our economy, and that's why uh, both Liberal and Labor governments over the last, what, 10, 15 years now have continued to back it because it makes sense. So um, I think that's the biggest positive out of the lot. Mm. Of course, the economic benefit is also a measure of uh, the advertising draw. And interestingly, Murray Walker, once again a, a patron of the event, folks, was over there having a documentary made about his life in racing and that contributed to quite a big marketing boost in the economic benefit this year. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? I mean, Murray is very popular in Adelaide. He's been a fixture there um, since the Formula One days, and um, he's been brought back, you know, over successive years, even though the Grand Prix is long gone. Um, as you said, it, he, it featured prominently in a very good documentary about him in which I made a fleeting, very fleeting appearance. Um, the documentary was made during Clipsal weekend and also the following weekend at the Grand Prix. Um, you know how big a draw card Murray Walker is, I'm not sure, but he certainly doesn't detract from it because he's very popular over there. I think what's interesting about the Clipsal 500 is not these economic impact study claims, which you know can be twisted to suit whatever aim they're trying to achieve, but. My understanding is that um, certainly the Clips will, apart from being a great event with a great atmosphere and drawing a, a, an undeniably big crowd, you know, to, even if how big it is is debatable, my understanding is it's certainly the best-run event of its kind financially and for um, most of its time as a V8 race, if, if, if not every year, it's actually made at least a very small profit or has broken um, even every year. And I think that's, you know, absolutely... <laughs> A remarkable achievement, um, you know, 
the last couple of years they they may have dipped a bit and you know the government's put their, put its you know had to had to cover a small a, a small deficit at the, at the most but it's certainly a lesson that the Melbourne Grand Prix organizers um, could learn seeing that race has never even ever looked like you know wiping its wiping its own face but so I think that um, the bottom line is that the Clipsal 500 is um, remarkably well run and certainly better run than, well, I can't think of another street race in the world that loses very little or actually makes a small amount of money. Mm. And the critical thing is that they haven't stopped spending throughout the whole history of the race. And when we look at our permanent circuits and the uh, 1960s state of repair they're in, you have Clipsal who every year try to add something new for the fans and is a real model to how to run these events, as you were saying, folks. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is now, I'm sure... Well, I reckon it's bigger in many ways, you know, maybe not in in sheer crowd sizes, but in every other aspect, it's bigger and better than it was during the Formula One days. And, um, you know... It was the Formula One event of its time. Um, it wrote the book on how to, you know, make a Formula One race into an event that wasn't just about racing. <laughs> so, of course, that means it has some dreadful sins to to be accounted for, you know, like the one of turning car races into rock concerts as well and aviation shows. But apart from all that, you know, um, it has been a model for a long time. And um, as I say, um, by my reckoning, you know, it's actually now in pretty much every me- every measure, a bigger event than it was back in the Formula One days, and, and that in itself is no mean feat either. Mm. But the amazing thing, Richard, is that the rock concert at Clipsal was just a, a, an Edward Bono, De Bono classic. It was purely a measure to stop crowd congestion leaving the racetrack at the end of the Formula One race. It got people to hang around, which meant that they had a more evenly dispersed crowd leaving the event it wasn't actually because a rock concert would draw more people in oh yeah I, I, there's certainly i'm sure that was a factor that that came into it in terms of oh, if we book tina turner to come and perform simply the best to Eaton center um there's going to be more punters rock up than if she wasn't there but yeah look i think that's that's a factor but your point about the event not standing still for me as folks said is probably the biggest thing in that there's, there's always improvements there's the new pit building um that the facilities are now up there with the very best of any permanent track that i've been to um and i guess the you know the, the covered grandstands is probably the biggest thing in, in putting shade up it's generally pretty hot eclipse all time putting the shade up and making sure that the 15 20 000 odd grandstand seats are all undercover which is just a massive undertaking but it's a great investment to make and i guess it's sort of reinvesting in your own event to make it go on and that's probably where some other events and i I can't speak from the kind of experience mark's got with that but that's probably where some other events fall down and um you know there's a very loyal crowd and and you know you bang on about crowd figures and whether they're accurate or not it doesn't matter but whatever figure's been announced has been either steadily growing or very very consistent now for four or five years so it's sort of got that regular market that comes back and the bottom line is that that the event continues to be the biggest thing in Adelaide every year and 
for a car racing event and for a championship that 15 years ago was pretty small has, um, you know, it never ceases to amaze how big this thing's become. Mm. Now, Clipsal is looking more and more likely to be the first race of the championship, perhaps a rightful place, but does it make more sense to start at Eclipsal than anywhere else in the world, folks? Oh, certainly. It's been pretty flat the last couple of years, um, kicking off in the Middle East. Um, and, and you can tell when you get to Clipsal, you know, suddenly, you know, it's like the V8 really, V8 championship really has started. And I think you'll find that next year that Clipsal 500 in Adelaide will be restored to its rightful place as the, the opening of, of the series. Um, they're looking at, um, well, they're not looking at really, they're going to move the Abu Dhabi race to later in the season. In fact, there's even talk, um, you know, of the race, the V8s going over to form a double bill with the Formula One Grand Prix at the end of the year, um, uh, in November, I think that's when the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix is uh, scheduled for next year in the Formula One World Championship. So that's a, something um, that they're looking at. Um, Abu Dhabi to like well Bahrain, they're battening down the hatches, they're tightening up. Um, you know, more of the locals are taking over the operation and they're um, streamli- streamlining. Um, you know, their cost structure, you know, they're just not spending as much on, on races as they were. Um, big influx of staff have left Abu Dhabi recently, um, moved on. So they're consolidating and they've got to make it more effective, you know, to bring the V8s in. The, the plan was to have a, you know, a, a, to twin them with another a race, another race in the Middle East. They're looking at places like, um, well, La Salle in Qatar, and um, that doesn't look like happening. So, um, Abu Dhabi, my information is it'll get twinned with the Formula One race forming a double bill, or it'll be um, a bit earlier in the year, but still twinned with something, you know, who knows? Hmm. Singapore, India, Timbuktu, I don't know, something like that anyway. It's going to be interesting. And, uh, Richard, if they make the change to the start of the year and go to qualify Friday, race Saturday, race Sunday, is that a good thing? for the Clipsal? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the event had something of a notoriety for being, you know, the first time out and new car and driver combos race tested for the first time on the tough street circuit and in the hot weather and in front of a big crowd, and it makes sense. The, the Friday quality thing's an interesting one, and I think that's a good move. I, I'd like a bit of variety in race formats, and I think we spoke about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about the, the Queensland Raceway thing. Um, I think Friday qualifying, they had the the session and then the shootout on the Friday added a different thing and a different bit of pizzazz. But I think the biggest thing about it is it's a, a more important, I guess, news story for local media over here and, and national media as well. So your sports tonights of this world can run a Friday night story of who got pole, Saturday night race one, Sunday night race two. So it gives you a, a better storyline to run on Friday because at the moment, you know, they go out and run around for four practice sessions and, you know, no one really cares about who wins the Friday Grand Prix. So I think from a Clipsal standpoint, it's a four-day event. You want to make as many storylines as you can and I think it's a good move having a bit more on the line on Friday for for punters and for media stakes as well. Mm. Time for Gas and Go on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes.
Guess and Go brought to you by V8X Magazine. It's on sale now. Folks, who would you rather be, Lee Holsworth or Alex Davison? Well, obviously, Lee Holsworth. He's got a guaranteed job next year. Um, switching from Gary Rogers Motorsport to Stone Brothers Racing and uh, Alex Davison, unfortunately, at the moment is on the... Uh, well, he's shaping up for the unemployment line. Richard? Yeah, I, I agree, obviously. Um, I guess the big question is what's Davo going to do? Does he become, you know, one of the key enduro signings for next year, do you think? Does he become, you know, the one that the big teams, your Triple Eights or your HRCs or whatever, try and get because of his experience and, you know, he's got so many miles and current racing experience, I guess... That's the big question. Or does he go and drive for a, a smaller team looking for a, a driver and probably take a pay cut in the process, I would have thought. I'm not too sure, but you'd, you'd want to be Lee Holdsworth right now, there's no doubt. David Russell, he's tested a Lamborghini in Germany. Richard, is he more chance of racing overseas than in the main game in 2012? Oh, no, that's a very hard question, Craig, and I'd probably say no. He was sent to uh, sent to Europe to shake down a car for its owner before it comes over for the 12-hour next year and that was the sole purpose. He did say he was going over there and going to have a chat to some contacts that his manager, Paul Marinelli's got uh, in DTM and with Mercedes and things like that, but I, I don't know if there's a huge amount to that. I think David's in a reasonable position of being a very, very regular and very capable enduro driver. Whether there's a spot for him in the main game or not, I'm not sure. I think the seats are running out, but um, I... If you had to come down to chances between the two, you'd probably say there's more go of a main game drive unless you can find money for a sports car ride over in Europe. Folks? Well, there are very few spots left, but I'm sure that um, David Russell you know, is being positioned to be a contender for those very few slots. His manager, Paul Marinelli, is very aggressive and creative, and, and you know David's been doing, um, doing a pretty fair job in the, in the Fujitsu series. And uh, certainly his, his, his aim is to get into the main game. And um, I think he deserves a shot. So, you know, he's, um, he's a bit of an outsider, but he's nonetheless a contender for one of those very few remaining slots in the main game. Now, folks, if, if I can, who's your pick of the, of the Fujitsu drivers at the moment? Obviously, David, you sort of think he's a shot. But who else in that series do you think right now could stand up and go main game straight away? Well, it's a big call because I'm never convinced the Fujitsu series is really, you know, the absolute proper training ground or, or good enough training ground. But, you know, so, you know, David's up there, but apart from him, well, Andrew Thompson, obviously. Um, but it's kind of tough to, to, to gauge Tomo because, you know, he's in by far the best car, so he should be streeting them. Um you know, it's within themselves, you know, from what, what I see, there's a lot of competition, you know, at the front group in, in the Fujitsu, but it's, it's, I just think it's too tough to tell until they actually get a main game gig. You know, James Moffat is making his way. He's doing a, a pretty good job, but, you know, certainly it shows that it, it's, it's a big jump, you know, up from the development series to the main game, and um, yeah. it's very rare that someone can just slide straight in and be super competitive. It takes them at least a year you know, if they get that shot. Mm. Now, Paul Morris is talking about selling up. If he was to go, does he become a full-time speedway racer? And 
Is there anyone in the paddock that'll miss him, folks? I will. Don't know if anyone else will. But I'll miss him. He's a character. Yeah, he's he adds colour. You know, I mean, his operation's been, to put it politely, a disappointment. I mean, it's just failed at every turn to, you know, mount a meaningful campaign in, in the year. And um, it's been making, you know, Paul Morris Motorsport has been making big promises, particularly the last couple of years, and just hasn't delivered. So, really, the dude probably doesn't deserve to be there at his current level. But as a character, I'll certainly miss him. Mm. Richard? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And the storylines, even this year, just running around in Fujitsu Series has been worthwhile and having him as a figure, as a team owner in the paddock's always good and he's great for a quote and stirs up some of the controversy that the sport needs to get uh, in the dailies especially. Mm. Now, David Reynolds, Richard, he's one of those drivers who's breaking that robotic driver mould and uh, he tells you he's having fun and uh, he lets you know why. Oh, look, yeah, good on him. Uh, David's an interesting character, isn't he? I've known him for a few years since his career Cup days and um, fantastic driver and, and showing he can perform this year. But, um, yeah, I, he had some fun at a media conference, I think, at QR. I wasn't there, didn't see it. But, um, uh, you know, it's good. He's establishing a personality and, and that's what you want to see from these drivers. They've They've got to get this... This profile, I don't know, I'm, I'm sick of drivers just being vanilla and, and not coming out with anything interesting. And that goes back to our chat about Paul Morris before. Mm, folks, he is a rare commodity. He's a very quirky character indeed. Uh, I think he's great. I, I love talking to him. I love seeing his very unusual usual approach to, to most things. Um, you know, he's got a sense of humour. He's uh, pretty open and honest. Um, all he needs to do with them, and, he, and he's fast. You know, he's got a ton of potential. Um, all he's got to do right now is decide where he actually wants to be next year. You know, the, the debate, well, in his mind apparently, or some of his advisors' mind is, you know, the debate is, you know, does he stay at Kelly Racing or, or grab the FPR drive that um, he's been, uh, let's shall we say, unofficially, um, well, offered. Um there's some dispute about his contractual status and um, if um, all the characters involved aren't careful, it's going to descend into a very unseemly battle and young David Reynolds could come off the worst from it. Mm. Well, any man that says his favourite movie is The Big Lebowski and that's the reason why he drinks White Russians must be all right. That's Gas and Go for another week here on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. We'll have plenty more with Fogues and Richard right after this break. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. As uh, Mark Fogarty from Auto Action and also Richard Crail from SBS's Speed Week join me, Craig Ravel. Finally, guys, uh, 
quick question for you with uh, the Gold Coast notching up, well, it's about 49 or so days till their event. Should the Gold Coast race be a points race when you're inviting all these international drivers over there, uh, over here to wreck their cars or wreck your car? Folks? Yeah, of course it should be. If it's in the championship, it's in the championship. You know, you can't be a little bit pregnant. So if that's the format and they're going to persist with this mixing of visiting internationals, in fact, expanding it to a full field of internationals this year, yeah, it's got to be a points race, you know. It's messy, it's ugly, but it certainly uh, adds to the um, uncertainty, you know, at the tail end, the business end of the series. So, um, no, I, I, you know, I'll agree that you can argue long and hard as to whether it should be part of the championship, you know, because of the internationals coming in and, um, you know, upsetting everything at a critical time of the championship. But if it is in the championship, it's got to be for points. Mm, Richard? I agree with that. Do you like it, folks, the, the concept, the event? I guess I do. It's interesting, and it's certainly, you know, I don't think it does much, if anything, you know, in terms of being a draw card, you know, putting bums on seats, you know, at the Surface Paradise street track. But certainly what it's done, it's raised V8 supercars profile internationally tremendously. You know, it is the event genuinely at a certain stage of the year is the, is the talk of the international motorsport community and drivers from all categories all over the world, you know, are, are literally battering on the door trying to get a start. So it's certainly been valuable from that point of view, but whether it make you know, whether it increases the crowd and it, and, you know, in that sense is it's worth the millions they spend on bring these drivers in, well, um, I would doubt that. But you know, as an international PR campaign within the sport, yeah, great success. Well, we'll have an economic benefit study to uh, certainly tell us how good it is for the Gold Coast. <laughs> Finally, Richard, Vared Supercars, should they have a mini championship inside their championship, similar to IndyCars? So we have the, the street circuit, the overseas champion, the street circuit champion, and the uh, endurance champion along with the... Uh, well, the couple of the handful of regular road courses that they still race on champion oh, as well. No, no, I, I don't think there's enough differentiation between the various tracks to, to put it down to that. I think the one that could probably have a role to play would be an endurance championship for Phillip Island and Bathurst and, and put a prize up for that. Um, but aside from that, or maybe you could do Phillip Island, Bathurst, Gold Coast, and you know the primary driver is the one that, that can win the championship out of those three. But aside from that, there's there's not enough difference between you know a, a straight second and a road course. I think to really make it on offer, much like IndyCar have done with their ovals and and road and straight courses, it's a much much different kettle of fish. So no, look, and, and the bottom line is, it, it, you get too many of these things, it gets hard to explain to the the everyday fan who you're trying to get into the sport oh so and so's won this part of the championship but they haven't won the overall thing and they've done this and they've done that so if you're going to do anything enduros are probably where you could do it but aside from that i I, status quo is fine the one thing you would look at and i'm not sure yet whether i agree with it or not but is do a, a chase nascar style thing i'm not sure if that's viable or not i haven't decided haven't put enough thought into it but maybe that's another thing to look at yeah, I'm not sure if there's enough races, folks. What about you? Definitely not. Leave it alone. It works. Championships within championships are meaningless. 
nobody cares, nobody remembers. Even in the IndyCar series, you know, they they at least have you know two distinct kinds of kinds of racing. You've got yeah. ovals, then you've got the road and street courses. But really, you know, nobody cares that Will Power won the Mario Andretti, uh, you know, road racing champion title last year. That's not really remembered. Um, you know, the only thing that matters in any championship really is the drivers' championship. That's mm. mainly what the V8 series is about. You know, really these days, even you know the teams or the manufacturers' title is just you know well that's for the benefit of the teams and the manufacturers. I don't think anyone else really cares. So mm. no, we don't need to slice up the pie anymore. Leave it alone. Mm. Well, on that note. Thanks very much to uh, Fogues and Richard for joining us here on the V1 Insiders once again this week. You're welcome, Craig. That was an unusually speedy show. You um, you got the qualifiers on today. Yes, and you had me on a deadline too. If I if I didn't make the time limit, I was in trouble. I realise that. Hey, that's true. Got to be off. Thanks, guys. Bye. Stay with Thanks, us folks. because after the break, you'll find out why you don't ask a Dorothy Dix question to James Courtney. I hope you'll stay with us. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, well, you, sometimes you ask a soft question before you go more probing on a driver. After a train wreck of a weekend for HRT, James Courtney didn't want my soft touch. What do you focus on now going into the long distance races? Oh, what do you think? Ask a proper question. How frustrating has this year been? Um, you know, it's Sure, it's been a little bit frustrating. No one wants to be... You know, running where we are as a team, as HRT, we want to be performing at the front. So, you know, anything apart from a win is not good enough for us, um, and it's you know that's what we want. So that's what we're working towards. We had a massive restructure change, the announcement of Steve Hallen coming on board, which was fantastic. Um, you know, we've got a lot of development stuff coming in the car, and it's so much changing. So, you know, every team has a you know, bit of a lull. Um, I think for us, for sure, this is a point where. You know, it's, it's not our flashest point as a team, HRT, but, you know, we're all working hard and, and trying to get the car back to where it should be. Mentally, has this year played a lot more with you than previous years? No, look, you know, it's winning, winning is, is definitely what you want to do, and when you're not winning, you're not, uh, you're not happy. Um, you know, but the upside to it all is that there is a lot of things in place that, you know, we can see there's a bright future. Garth wouldn't have signed for another three years if there wasn't. So, you know, we can see behind the scenes everything that's going on. It's just, and, you know, and what's to come. Um, it's just a shame that we can't let everyone know with, with what's happening, what's progressing. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not worried that uh, we're not going to be able to do it because I think for sure we are. And, and um, like you touched on before, we've got the endurance uh, events coming up, which is um, being typically strong for, for HRT, and I've gone really quite well in all the endurance stuff. So our race pace is really quite good, like you saw today. We're, uh, we've got good race pace. It's just a qualifying sort of thing. So the longer the race, the better it is for us, really. So, um, you know, we're, although working on our qualifying speed to try and improve it all, um, to try and get to the front so then we can fight for podiums and wins but uh, at the moment we're not quite there What about the looking forward the car of the future with what you know about it now and everyone's a little bit in the dark 
do you think that is the right way forward for vets? More parity, more evenness in the cars? Um, look, yeah. it's someone with a lot bigger brain power and mindset to, that's making those decisions. I just sort of cruise around and, and uh, dealt with the cars we played. So, you know, I'm happy to keep the car going the way it is or to change. They've made a decision to change, so it's, um, you know, it will be a bit of a level playing field, but the, the cream will always rise to the top again, so it won't take long for the teams to work out what's good and what's bad of each car, uh, about the new car and, and move forward. So, you know, it probably will level the field for a little bit, but, um, you know, I think it will all pick up again pretty quickly. Would you be hoping that with the independent rear end, bigger tyres, these are things that you've experienced in Japan and in Europe? I'm, I'm surprised they didn't put a proper diff in it while they've done all this stuff. It's, um, you know, with, I think... It's something that's letting this car down, and, and um, you know, with, with them changing so much, they could probably, you know, why not put a proper dip in it at the same time? So it's, um, you know, we'll see what, it, what it's like. My thanks to Mark Fogarty, Richard Crowell, James Courtney, and David Russell. This is the Checker Flag Waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.